Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet. Today is Friday, October the 22nd. And a long time ago, I did something here in the studio called Meet My Friend Friday, and then the world caught on fire and I stopped doing it. But today I'm going to bring it back with an off the bench story. Today I'm going to introduce you to a freedom fighter in Kentucky. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Are you weary? I hear that word everywhere I go these days. People are weary from the pandemic, weary from what's happening in our schools, weary from what's happening in our state capital, and perhaps most of all, people are weary from the feckless leadership in Washington, D.C. But I've got good news for you guys. My name is Heidi St. John, and I'm running for Congress in Washington's 3rd Congressional District. I need your support so I can be your voice in Washington, D.C., and together we can bring sanity and hope back to this weary land. To join my team, please visit me online, HeidiStJohnForCongress.com. All right, you guys, before I get going today, I want to remind you I am in the town of Charlotte, North Carolina, as this is being aired. I'm speaking this evening for Jason and David Benham for the Awaken Moms Conference. Tons of amazing women over there speaking about what it takes to get off the bench and onto the battlefield for the sake of our children and to fight for freedom. You guys heard Sean Morris on here for the last couple of days relating what is happening in Australia and here in the United States. And you guys, we need to wake up. And today I'm very excited to have a brand new friend on the show with me today. Tammy Hayhoe is here from Kentucky. She and her husband own a restaurant out in Kentucky, not too far from the Ark Encounter. So if you guys go to the Ark Encounter, and I hope that you will, you definitely want to go uh, and support these guys. They're doing some amazing things, really just uh, standing up to the mandates and to the tyrannical overreach of our government right now. And that is how I met Tammy and her husband, Richard. You guys, these are freedom fighters. And today you're going to be inspired to get off the bench and onto the battlefield. Tammy, my friend, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Heidi. I'm excited that you guys are here. So give our listeners just a little bit of uh, an introduction to you and your husband and your family. Sure. We are Canadian and we came to Kentucky about 11 years ago. My husband was in a discipleship program and we ended up moving here. We left everything behind and um, it took about five years to feel that this was home and now we uh, would not want to leave ever. Um, we're still Canadians. We're here on a visa. And um, through the process um, my husband started, um, well, we kind of wanted to do the the coffee and donut thing like Tim Hortons in Canada on every single uh, street corner. Oh, and yeah. So Tim Hortons. Yeah. I've been there. Woo, woo. Shout out. Yeah. And so that's what we thought until we discovered that most people get their coffee at a gas station. And that was just ridiculous. But we persevered and and we thought that we would just hire somebody who knew how to make donuts. And we did. And they didn't know how to make donuts. So my husband Googled it and figured out how to make donuts. And we expanded our menu over the years. And now we have a full restaurant. Uh, um, I think it seats like 70 people. And wow. um, then we started a bakery. We opened another uh, small bean shop. Um, but anyways, we have the main beans and then we have the bakery. And so we have a, a, a going concern. It's a, a lot of fun. That is very, very cool. And you guys are also, uh, you're CrossFitters. I mean, it's funny. You're making donuts and you're CrossFitters. How, how do you put the two things together? I, I really need to know. 
Right. Uh, well, <laughs> we kind of have to. I mean, the rule is no donuts are allowed to come home. That is oh. the number one rule. Um, so, yeah. So my daughter, who is now 25, I have eight children, ages seven to 28 and grandma to three. And so I think about six years ago, my oldest daughter started CrossFitting and she would be gone for hours at a time. And, and I said to my oldest son, I said, we need to go to that gym and see what the deal is. And so we went and I loved it. I'd always been a runner and um, played hockey in Canada. And I thought, well, this this is like perfect. So we started CrossFitting, um, started to go in the morning when all the kids could go at homeschool. And so and I hate to sit still, so we would do... I can't tell. <laughs> we did an hour of math before the kids uh, go We go to CrossFit. And then for and the drive, it's about 20 minutes. And that's when I do Bible reading. So we, we do our Bible reading. We do Kevin Swanson's Proverbs and his Psalms. And uh, we do catechism. We listen to Generations with Vision and um, Cross Politics News. And so that's our 40 minutes there and back of Bible and then while we're there, we do CrossFit, and now we do Olympic lifting. And so most of my kids have lifted in nationals, and, and a lot of them have placed in the top 10. Wow. So, yeah, so just consistently working. So that's just system. your standard story of the Canadians immigrating to the United States and becoming <laughs> Olympic CrossFitters while they exactly. can't eat donuts, but they make them for other people. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I hear... Yeah, yeah. I, I'm picking I'm picking up what you're putting down. So you guys have been uh, for the last couple of years, thanks to the tyrannical overreach of a tyrannical government. You've had some mandates put down on and restrictions on your restaurant, correct? Yes. And and I really believe that just consistently being God's word, listening to generations, which has really helped with our worldview. When the mandates came, we knew what God's word said about these things we knew the principles in God's word to stand on and that gave us the courage to say yeah no way so in the beginning when at the very beginning when the governor many of the governors started to shut things down and nobody kind of knew what we were dealing with we shut down uh, our dining room Mm -hmm. and we made up for it through our drive-through and through delivery Mm -hmm. and funny Mm -hmm. enough at the same time my four younger kids started to get really sick and my doctor over like Facebook determined that it was COVID. And I'm like, well, this doesn't make any sense because we have no symptoms and kids aren't supposed to have symptoms. But anyways, they had whooping cough really, really bad. Mm. So that took us about six weeks to get over. And when that was over, I looked around and went, why is everything still shut down? I thought we were on two weeks to flatten the curve. Right. Well, we're not. We're on 18 months to flatten the curve. (laughs) Yes. So... It's, we just determined through that that we would not shut down again if he shut us down. By that time, he had opened, allowed restaurants to open. Mm-hmm. And However, who's your governor? Do you have Brashears? Who's the governor in Kentucky? I can't remember. Yeah, Andy Brashear. Yeah. Ah. So he would get on every night and, and uh, make everybody afraid, give a whole bunch of numbers that weren't really absolutely correct at all, and um, scare everybody into compliance. So we never made our our clients or our staff wear masks or do anything. We had no signs on the door. We were not going to play the game. Um, and we, um, then we took him to court with a few other business just to say, you know what, you're killing us, these small businesses. We can't survive. He had said restaurants could go to 33%, but if you're six feet apart, the tables, you can't even get to 33%. And so that was our first lawsuit, which we won 
which he then managed to stay by going to another judge the very next day, which put us in a waiting game at the Supreme Court of Kentucky for months and months. And finally, they heard our case and they determined to give no judgment on it, but to say, well, you just need to wait until the legislative comes back to session, which in Kentucky is 33 days one year and 66 the next year. Wow. So you'd be broke by then. Yeah. 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 So, so at at that point, so you decided to go, so now you've been in two lawsuits with uh, Governor Brashear and the first one. Yeah. And so where is it now? Because uh, I'm under the impression that you and many other freedom fighting business owners are just like, no, actually, we don't need your permission to open our business. That was never part of the agreement that we made when we elected you governor of the state. How is the governor able to do that? Is it under an emergency order? Right. Um, when the legislative did come back to session, they did put restraints on the governor, um, not as much as we wanted them to, but they did. Uh, but the governor went to his favorite judge and he had them all basically overturned. And so he went ahead and just kept mandating what he wanted to. So it's been a fight since then, back and forth. So that's when we went into our second lawsuit saying that the legislative makes this legislative body makes the rules, not the governor on his own. Mm. And so that was our second lawsuit. That was just us by ourselves. And we had two expert witnesses, one a physician who worked with Dr. Fauci for seven years and one uh, um, industrial hygienist who spoke about masks and how ineffective they were. She, the doctor, she spoke that this is not an emergency. It cannot be called an emergency, and therefore you can't make emergency mandates. So those were expert witnesses. Um, the, the other side, the governor's lawyers were not prepared at all. They had no responses. Um, we won that case as well. Then the governor tried to say that the decision of that judge only applied to Beans and to the county that we're in. So we had to have our judge um, clarify um, in the meantime, he made another mask mandate, and which, which he's just very smart because he knew that if he made a mandate, even though he's not allowed to make a mandate and we could hold him in contempt of court, it would just uh, create a snowball of other people yep. obeying him. Yep. So then the school boards obeyed him, and, the, and it just kind of went on from there, and everybody mm-hmm. just obediently complied with anything anybody dares utter. So this is so fascinating to me because yesterday I had Sean Morris on uh, on my program and he immigrated here from Australia and actually from Victoria, which is one of the worst states in Australia right now. And he was saying that, you know, we were talking about the fact that this started in 1996 with the Port Arthur massacre. So what there, so one guy with a gun shoots and kills, I think it was 35 people, don't quote me, you know, it was, yeah. that's roughly the number. Okay. But then the government came in and they used fear. And they convinced the people that if they would just give up their weapons, they would be safe. Well, I see so many similarities to what happened then and what is happening now. They're still using fears. It turns out fear is a great way to manipulate people. It's a great way to get people to comply and do do what the government wants them to do. You know, we're willing, as we're learning in this country, to give up our freedom for a false sense of safety and security when the reality is there will always be viruses. And this right. one continues to mutate. It continues to to show, you know, what was it? Colin Powell a couple of days ago, uh, double vaccinated. Yeah. The, the papers are saying he died from complications uh, from COVID-19. So uh, clearly we're being lied to. By the way, that's my next uh, my next shirt. 
I didn't tell you that last time I saw you, Tammy. No. So my new shirt's going to be here in the mail tomorrow, which is sad because I'll be on a plane and I'll miss it. But uh-huh. it literally says, uh, you're being lied to. Oh, yes. That's, <laughs> that's just all right. it says. You're being lied to. And people are being lied to. Yeah. So when this is happening and they're you know closing down your restaurant, you guys were up in uh, trying to get your visas renewed, right? And so your oldest daughter is left to lo- run the restaurant when this edict comes down to shut down indoor dining. And you guys decided to do what Americans, freedom-loving Americans would do. And you posted, we're staying open. That's right. What happened? Yeah. My husband decided to pay, post it on Facebook that we were going to stay open. And um, he told Tia, he said, Tia, I don't know what's going to happen, but we're just going to stay open. And so we had a firestorm of responses on our Facebook. It blew up and we were completely entertained because we were in quarantine in Canada because when we went up there, the fine was $750,000 if we broke quarantine for those two weeks. And we had the government calling us to make sure we were still in our quarantine. And so we had absolutely nothing to do except to watch our Facebook explode. <laughs> so they, they, somebody posted our picture of our home and our okay, address. Okay, so they doxed you. Yeah. Yeah. So there was Tia. Our staff worked, they were working 16 hours a day. My friend went in who never worked in a restaurant before and was working in the kitchen and uh, everybody came out to support us. And so, uh, of course, the next day the health department came in and, and the restaurant went dead quiet as he nervously handed Tia papers to sign. And he forgot to sign them. He was so nervous. But it was to, t- to remove our food license. So that's what he did. And, and uh, Tia wow. thanked him and stayed open and kept serving food. See, and this is what people need to hear. The government does not have the authority to do this, and they are absolutely using these emergency orders to uh, implement tyrannical overreach of their authority. And the reason I love your story so much is that I'm hoping that people see your courage and they will they will start to demonstrate that they are not afraid. And this is this is the problem. The real the real crisis in this country is not a virus with a 99.9% survival rate. The real crisis is a crisis courage. And you and I were talking briefly right before you came on the show about courage. It takes courage right now, for goodness sake. It takes courage to go to the grocery store without a mask on your face. It takes courage to say, no, we're going to keep our business open. Where does your courage come from? Because I'm sure people are asking you guys that question. Oh, yeah. And and just to inspire people to take that courage. And I tell people our courage comes from our relationship, our faith in Jesus Christ and our knowledge of God's word, um, because God's word isn't just this fluffy thing we read when we feel like it or we feel like our emotions need it. It gives us principles to live our daily life. And so if, if we don't understand the proper interpretation of Romans 13, if we don't understand the spheres of uh jurisdiction, family, church, and state, and the scope, power, and jurisdiction of each, and when one oversteps the boundary of another, we're not obligated to obey them, then then we will think that that the government is sovereign over all, and we need to obey whatever they say. And, and, and a million other principles we need to understand in scripture that, I mean, the Old Testament is so relevant to us today. So when uh, um, one man is not supposed to take another man's millstone, we know that we're not, somebody else is not supposed to come and say, well, you can't work. We understand principles of quarantine. That is for the sick. It's not for the well. We understand the Ten Commandments. Uh, Do not steal. Nobody's supposed to steal our work or reputation or... um, and if God says rest on the seventh day, he means work on the other days. So all these things need to, to 
we need to be in God's word. We need to understand where our authority and our guidance comes from. And, and I think that Christians have long abandoned the serious mm-hmm. study of God's word, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And when I saw you guys at the Ark, you were there for uh, for the movie premiere of Courageous with me, right? Right. Yeah. Did you yeah. like that? Was it good? It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, and I have a bad memory. And so I'd completely forgotten. And so I thought it was all brand new movie. <laughs> Hey man, it's all right. It's 10 years old. And when you're living through the Rona, we're, we're actually, I think living four years for every 14 months. That's right. what I decided. I think if you do the math, that's what it is. So it's fine. Yeah, I, I mean, I, good. I think people understand, but you are saying that through all of this stuff, your decision to stand up, your decision to say, no, we're not going to bow to this, uh, to this elite, it's illegal what right. they're doing. It's unconscionable and unconstitutional. And we really do understand government uh, by being the ecclesia, which is, you know, people people had forgotten what that word means. It's God establishing authority uh, in the culture. Right. And we are called out into the culture off the bench and onto the battlefield. That's why I love your story so much. I mean, I get, uh, you know, notes in here all the time of people getting off the bench. You guys have gotten off the bench in a massive way. You ended up forming a group called Cultural Christians because you sensed a void uh, in the world for the things of Christ. And we've seen this, you know, I've been talking about this for 15 years out on the road, that this is a very dangerous time in the United States because we're living right now in a generation of biblically illiterate Christians. So men and women who do not know the word of God and can't defend it, but yet they'll go to church and raise their hand and sing the songs and do the thing. Well, uh, they're, they're folding under all of us because they don't understand the the principles of jurisdiction. They don't understand Romans 13. And so you put them in the hands of people that, that uh, are going to interpret it badly and you get fearful Christians. So you guys started this group called cultural Christians. And what is the goal? What do you, what are you trying to do with it? Well, we're trying to promote uh, people to see their rights and their responsibilities as citizens from a biblical perspective and foundation through educating them and through action. So uh, we hold monthly meetings to guide and inspire people in that process. So while, you know, not just was our food license taken away, but my husband was criminally charged for then continuing to have a restaurant open. Naturally. Welcome Um, to the United States. Right. And so a lot of people have said to me, oh, I can't, you know, I can't not get the vaccine or I can't do this or I can't do that because I might lose my job. And and I just thinking in my head, you know what, we could have lost our job. We could have been kicked out of the country. We could have lost everything and been kicked out in like one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just think it's so important to have these meetings to to retell our story in, in little bits and to encourage people to be courageous in whatever sphere they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the projects we're working on now, we've been um, gathering small business owners together and trying to inspire them to be courageous, try to get them to think ahead of, of mandates that may come down upon them and how they're going to stand and how we can stand together. And through that, we've come to be working on basically three projects. And one is trying to create a Fourth Amendment sanctuary county in our county. Our county is already a Second Amendment sanctuary county. And so we um, have drafted a resolution that um, has gone, I've asked my um, house representative to go through it and she helped me with that and now I have a pastor looking at it and then I'll have a lawyer look at it and then hopefully we'll be able to present it to our judge executive who will um, present it to the county meeting. Um, and and that what, would, what, what does that mean, a, a Fourth Amendment sanctuary county? 
So that would that would say that our county is we are free to make our own medical choices in our county. Nobody can infringe upon that and tell us we need to do this or that um, medical procedure or treatment or measure against our will. So we're trying to make it general so that it wouldn't just say vaccines, although that is obviously why we're doing this, but we um, are thinking towards the future as well. I love it. Smart. Anything else that may come down the line. I love Um, it. And the second thing you're doing is making a petition right for medical staff against vaccine mandates. Yes. So we already did that because their deadline was the end of September, the beginning of October. So that deadline has already passed. So um, we just in the petition encouraged them. It was based on a letter that some physicians wrote, actually my friend and two colleagues who wrote and had had nine points of why the vaccine should not be mandated in their healthcare facilities. Um, it was ignored by their board and their mm-hmm. CEO, but we used that to create a petition and almost 400 people signed that, medical people signed that. And then that gave us access to all their emails so that we can continue to to communicate with them. I um, love that. So well, that and I think this the, is going to open up a third, I'm hoping a third, a third lane really for, um, for medical care, such as, you know, a, a direct primary care. And we were watching some of that happening right. in, uh, in Washington state right now. I've got just a couple minutes left. I want to really quickly get to the third point because you guys are doing something important and people can join you and we'll get to that in a second, but you're also preparing for what's coming. Right. By researching and talking, planning out food co-ops, building networking lists. This is important for people to engage in. Yes, very important. So we have a meeting coming up and trying to kind of make our own platform for a networking list that nobody can hack into and use against us. So that's kind of important security. Mm -hmm. Um, Food co-ops. So making it easy to help each other. So um, and, and not calling a co-op is important as well and, and kind of flying under the radar of, of mm-hmm. so many government regulations. On I can't so even believe things. we're having this conversation in the United States. Oh. I, it's just, it's, it's, it's shocking. Uh, it's shocking to me. And obviously the other side of this is going to school board meetings, fighting for our kids, like take your kids out of the public school and then get yourself back to these school board meetings and continue to fight for the kids who are held captive to these systems because it's criminal, really, right. the indoctrination that they're doing. Uh, to yeah. our children. It's the same thing with your city council meeting, right? You're right. And and these things, they're intimidating to go to. I mean, the first couple of times, and that's why it's so important to go before you have a problem. Um, I mean, just yesterday we went to the city council meeting. It was my fourth visit, but this time we had an issue that we needed to bring up with them, but we were okay to do that because we kind of knew how the system went. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important for people to start going to these things so that they know how the process works and that they have somewhere to go when they have questions or when they need to confront these people who are on these boards. Mm, it's so important. Um, where can people find you? Because you guys have a website. This is so cool. I um, mean, you know, when you're not, you know, uh, trying to get to the Olympics with CrossFit and making donuts <laughs> and opening restaurants and going to uh, talk to your judges and suing the governor. Right. Uh, you have this awesome website. What's it called? Yes, it's called culturalchristians.org. Culturalchristians.org. And any of our, can people find like the forums that you guys are working on and uh, can they maybe start to emulate what you're doing there in Kentucky in their neck of the woods? Well, that is a great idea. And so once we do the final draft of our Fourth Amendment resolution, we'll put that up there so people can see that. And um, I mean, really, we need more bodies to help. I mean, really, it's yeah. three of us, four of us on this 
um, this culture of Christians and we're doing all the work and mm -hmm. people are still slow to start um, volunteering and helping and fighting. And so you the sound more like a pastor's wife. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, I, um, I'm encouraged and I, I thought, you know, I, I, I think I would be right in saying that you might be one of my favorite Canadians because you guys can't vote down here. And yet you've become involved, you're mobilizing people, you're putting, you're uh, directly affecting change in the culture through legal and political means, all while not having the ability to vote yourselves. And it's so important for people. I hope that they take, uh, take to heart what you're doing because there are people here who can vote and they're not doing anything that you're doing. And so right. I'm so grateful. Can, if people want to reach out and get a hold of you, can they do that through the website? Yes. They, well, they can do that or they can go to Tammy Hayho. Let me just check at cultural Christians. Yes. Tammy. Is it Tammy it's Tammy M. Hayho, right? At gmail.com. Well, that is mine, but through cultural Christians, they can also do Tammy, T A M I dot Hayho, H A Y H O E, at cultural Christians. All right. I love that. Well, this is really exciting. And thank you for getting off the bench and onto the battlefield and for standing up for freedom. Really, I mean, you're standing up for freedom. You're doing in Kentucky, but it's going to affect people in Washington State and around the country who are watching this now. And I believe, and I've been saying this for 17 months, I think this is going to get a whole lot harder before it gets better. And people need to start waking up right now uh, and not wait even a day longer. So uh, thank you so much for this, Tammy. And I wish your family the very best. You guys are amazing. And I'm glad that you came down from Canada. Uh, we're learning a lot from you. Thank you, Heidi. It's been fun. It's fun to fight. It is. It's fun to fight, especially when you are an Olympic CrossFitter. All right. So that's good. Tammy Hayho, you are an incredible human being. Thank you so much for coming. If you guys want more information on what the Hayho family has been doing, you can go to culturalchristians.org. I hope you guys will take a little bit of a page out of the notebook of these freedom fighters from Canada and get off the bench and onto the battlefield. Thanks for listening today, everybody. And I will see you back here on Monday at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.